within the heart of each of us is the desire to explore, to venture out, to leave behind the ordinary and find something new. New places, new paths, new challenges. We look for adventure and for a tomorrow that asks more of us than today did. We want to hear the wind in the trees. We want to look out across the expanses. We want to take in the beauty around us and find the thrill the average person never does. So we set out to find a better way in our relationships, in our pursuits, and in our faith. Life Trails, take the next step. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for worship team. Thanks for the focus of this morning. I really appreciate that. Hope that you'll be with us on Good Friday. And we had to make some changes to our scheduling this past week. And uh, we looked at Friday and said, can we do a Good Friday service? And Chris was like, absolutely. And uh, because it's his favorite, I guess. And so we'll be back here Friday night with, with pretty simple service with uh, scripture and prayer and some music. And just as, as we commemorate uh, that the crucifixion of Christ, and then Easter morning, I hope you'll be here. You can see we're set up for something a little bit different, and I've got a 25-voice choir that will be leading us in worship. Uh, Easter morning, we've got uh, the uh, Continental Breakfast or something fun uh, starting at 10, and uh, come for that, but just going to have a great service. Come on out for that. Bring somebody with you, and I don't know if you can feel this the last three, four, or five, six weeks. This room's starting to fill back up. It's starting to feel a little bit like it did before COVID hit, and uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what God's doing here, and uh, but what, what God wants to do, too. So invite somebody to come, but please be here next Sunday. You won't be sorry that you are here. Well, last, uh, a couple weeks ago, I missed church because I was in uh, Chicago visiting with family and taking a little bit of a mini vacation, but one of the things that uh, Kelly and I did is we found a place to hike, of course. We're always looking for a place, Starved Rock State Park. Anybody been to Starved Rock State Park? Some great hiking there. We got like this one nice day uh, tucked in there, and then the next day it was like 40 and rain, just kind of back to typical Midwest weather. So we're like, let's go to a museum. So we were in Chicago, so like there's some great museums in Chicago. Maybe you've been to the Museum of Science and Industry, which I've been to many times. I grew up outside Chicago, so all the time. And uh, the Field Museum of Natural History, another great museum. And I'm like, how about this one, Kel? The Chicago History Museum. I've never been here. And so we decided to do that, and we went for the day to the Chicago History Museum. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but it's just the history of Chicago. And actually had a great time, a, a fascinating walk through some of the history of Chicago. But there was one exhibit, one room in this um, museum that talked about some of the, the civil issues that Chicago had faced but not just Chicago that had, had gone on in the world. And, it, and I don't remember exactly what the exhibit was called, but it was about all of these different injustices that we have seen in the history of maybe of Chicago, but even in the history of our country. For instance, there, there was a part of the exhibit there was, was a, a section on slavery. And of course, uh, Chicago is very sensitive to the slavery issue because Abraham Lincoln was from Illinois and actually uh, did a lot of his work there in Chicago. And, and so there was this injustice of slavery. And then the civil rights movement, too, the injustice of, of how uh, uh, African Americans were treated. 
And again, that has some, some reference there to Chicago. Actually, Martin Luther King Jr. lived in Chicago for a few years while that was going on. There was an exhibit, that, part of the exhibit there was about uh, women's suffrage and uh, the discrimination that was involved there and how the women finally won and earned the right to, to vote. There was a portion of that that talked about the, the treatment of some of uh, the Native Americans and the injustices that, that they faced. There was talk, uh, or part of the exhibit was about labor conditions in our country and, and how people who worked in the factories of the city, even so much where they were taken advantage of and didn't get fair pay and, and were treated poorly and even expanded on that even to our country, talking about uh, labor conditions. It even had a section in there talking about World War II and the, the Japanese internment camps. But all of these injustices that have been experienced, even by people living in, in in America over the, the last 200, 250, 300 years of our history. But history in general is filled with injustices. It's not, just, it's not just Chicago. It's not just America. It's our world is filled with injustices because it's filled with people who bring injustice. In the selfishness of mankind and how we are so much about ourselves ends up creating injustice because we push past what's the rightful boundaries of our lives into the lives of other people and we, we injure them or we offend them or we violate them in some different ways. And injustices are just part of society. It's just part of our actual existence. So we can talk about injustices as a part of a group, which an exhibit in a museum represents well, but we can also talk about the injustices that you and I experience as individuals. Because if we're honest this morning, we all have suffered, and maybe you right now in this moment are suffering injustice. You've been treated unfairly. Maybe you've experienced the injustice of being falsely accused. Maybe you've experienced the injustice of being lied about with no way to defend yourself. Maybe you've been experienced the injustice of somebody who was your friend stabbing you in the back. Maybe you've experienced the injustice of being taken advantage of or being abused. Maybe you've been uh, experienced the injustice of being discriminated against. And maybe it wasn't because of your race, but maybe it was because of your gender, or maybe it was because of your age, or maybe it was some other element. But you've experienced injustice. Maybe you've experienced the injustice of somebody at your work being paid more who's not really doing even half the work that you're doing. Or maybe they're getting the promotion or maybe they're getting the credit for something that was actually your responsibility and something that you actually made happen. Maybe you've experienced the injustice of being ridiculed or singled out or maybe the injustice of being left out. But injustice is a real thing. And all of us, if we're completely honest, we have experienced injustice. And what does it do to you? And what does it do to me? It hurts to start with, but it, but it raises something up inside us, too, where we're like, hey, this isn't fair. And we want to somehow make it fair, and we want to somehow replace that injustice with justice, because we want people to treat us fairly, and we want us to be treated with respect, and we want those people that have done wrong to us to somehow have to deal with that and be responsible for it, and maybe even suffer some pain on their own 
Because that's, after all, what they did to us. But the question is, is that the right way? Or what is the right way to deal with injustice? And specifically this morning, what is the right way to deal with those personal injustices that you face and that you experience? And so I have a very spiritual answer to that question this morning. What do you do with those injustices? You take them to the cross. And if you're like me, you're sitting there this morning going, that's a great Christian cliche, Brent. What in the world does that mean? How in the world am I supposed to take an injustice to the cross? And that's what we want to explore this morning because I think sometimes we just throw out cliches like that and they're true, but we just never give the details for them. So we don't know how to do some of the things that we talked about. So today we want to talk about how to take injustice to the cross. So we're going to look at a passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. So I want to invite you to turn with me there or get there on your device because we're going to read quite a few verses and look at quite a, uh, quite a bit in that passage this morning, 1 Peter chapter 2. We've been working through this crosswalk series that was designed to help us prepare for the cross so that more than just you know, coming in on Sunday morning of Easter going, oh yeah, the cross, that we've taken a month to actually stop to think through the cross and what it's about. And it's meant to be that preparation, but we've also tried to take it a step further and say, yes, the cross, but the cross has some implications for us. Now, most of us, when we talk about the cross and we talk about the implications of the cross, where our mind goes is, well, the cross is about my salvation. In fact, we already did that. We talked about that in communion this morning. It's about my experience of Jesus coming and dying for my sin and dying on the cross even though he had no sin. He was buried and rose again and my sin was defeated and death was defeated and hell was defeated and, and I've trusted Christ and invited him into my life and he's given me forgiveness and he's given me freedom and he's given me the, the promise of eternal life. And so when we talk about the cross, that's what we think about and how the cross affects life. But I would put it in these terms. That's what we talk about when we walk to the cross. So I come in my brokenness, or I come in my shame, or I come in my guilt, or I come in, in, in whatever it is, and I experience Jesus Christ and his love on the cross, and that's my walk to the cross. But if we, as we've looked at this series here, and we talked about the crosswalk, we've really focused actually more on our walk away from the cross. Because we come to the cross and there's something true about the cross. And I grab that truth and say, oh, that's something that I can use as I go forward in my life from here. And so Mark got us started out and he looked at Philippians chapter 2. And he talked about who Jesus went to the cross and he hung on the cross. But he talked about humility and not being about status. And so we come to the cross and we see Jesus hanging there as humility. But we walk from the cross in humility. Not worried about our personal status. Last week, we talked about this idea of bearing our own personal cross, but it's still, it's coming to the cross and realizing that the cross is not about death, but it's about life. So when Jesus actually invites us to take up our cross, it's an invitation to experience the life that he has to give us. But we walk from the cross, then in this new life that Jesus gives us. And so as we come to the cross this morning, we come to the cross with a very specific viewpoint, and that is to explore this idea of injustice. 
But the, the, the goal this morning is to walk from the cross, knowing what to do with it in our lives. So we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start, well, the passage we're going to look at is in verses 11 to 25, we're actually going to start in verse number 21, and I'll explain why in a minute. Peter is writing this, and we've already talked about Peter this morning as one of the disciples, and one that, that Jesus picked out to be one of the big leaders in the, in the church. And so he was a leader of the church, but persecution had come to the church, and persecution had spread the church abroad throughout the known world at that time. In fact, if you go back to the very first verse of the book, Peter says, hey, I'm writing to you, and you guys are scattered all over the world here. So he's writing to a scattered church, and they've been scattered because they've been persecuted. And he's writing to encourage them and to, and to hang in there, and he's acknowledging that bad stuff is happening, or you could say it this way, injustices are flying at them in rapid-fire uh, means there. But he tells them to hang on. He says, hey, you can hang on. One reason you can hang on is because persecution is only temporary. I mean, at the very least, it's just for this life, and then the next life, we won't have to worry about that. That, to me, isn't, like, super helpful to me, though, when I'm dealing with injustice. And so he gets a little bit more specific about what to do in the moment. But don't lose sight of the fact that it's Peter who's writing this. And I'm going to come back to that before we're done this morning. But Peter writes this, and he says, in verse number 21, he says, Here's how you should act or react in the face of injustice. Excuse me, that's how he starts at verse number 11. In verse number 21, he gets to why we should act that way. And I want to start in verse number 21 because I want to look at the why we should act in a way that we should act, react, respond to injustice, and then to go back and pick up on what Peter said, here's the how to do that. So read with me, verse number 21, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So in summary, Jesus, who has suffered all kinds of injustice, gives us an example of how to deal with injustice. And think about the injustice of Christ. He was born, he was born in a barn. He was born to an unwed mother, and he was probably born with the reputation of being the illegitimate son of Mary. Even when he was in ministry, there was all kinds of injustices. If, if he healed a man, he was in trouble for healing him on the Sabbath day. People were upset about that. That was, that was an injustice that he suffered there. If he threw a demon out, cast a demon out of someone, they accused him of being the, the prince of demons, Satan himself. So there was all these injustices, and then it just ramped up at the, the crucifixion. Where, where he was accused of all these things and where he was attacked and where he was uh, smote, uh, smitten and ridiculed and the crown of thorns and all of these injustices and how did he handle it? Well, the Bible says there he provided an example for us to follow. And the interesting thing about that word example there is it actually literally means he provided a traceable pattern for us. So when you are, and I are experiencing justices, here's what we do. We need to put those injustices right up to Jesus and trace exactly how Jesus responded to those injustices. So what did he do? First of all, 
he did what was right, but then he suffered for it, and that's what injustice is. So when you do what's right and you suffer for it, Jesus knows exactly what you feel. And he suffered at pretty significant levels, maybe even beyond what we suffer for. But that's what the price of doing right was. And sometimes that's the price of doing right. But then he chose not to retaliate. And I like the fact there that it was his choice. Because when I suffer in injustices, one of my first responses is to respond in kind. Or, or whether that's with anger or whether that's that I do the same thing back or whether that's the fact that I just hate you. But, but he chose not to go in that direction. Instead, he chose to live at a different level, to act in a different way. And there's a lot of hope in that because when we suffer injustices, we have the ability to choose how to respond. We are not required to respond in kind. We are not required to be offended and to give up. We have the opportunity, ability to choose. And here's what he did. He didn't just say, I'm not going to go here. He said, this is where I'm going to go. Instead, he entrusted himself to the just judge. He let go of it himself and said, you know what? I'm going to let this thing be God's situation here. And that's what we mean when we say a little bit, take it to the cross, is that I take it to the cross, I take it to Jesus, but I take it to God and say, okay, God, I'm taking my hands off this, and I'm going to let you be in charge of this, because here's what I know about you, God. You are the judge, and God is the judge, and the wrongs in this world will be made right, and we are watching a lot of wrong right now in the world scene, aren't we? Let me assure you, there is a judge who is following along with all of that, and he will judge, and he will judge justly. He may not do it on our timetable, but he will do that. And what Jesus said is, you know what, I'm not going to worry about setting this straight. I'm going to give it to you, God, and let you take care of it. And so in these verses, he gives us the why. The why is because Jesus did it this way, and we can too. But if you back up to verse number 21, he said, this is your, uh, this is your example. But he also says, this is what your calling is. This is what you're here to fulfill. And we have a calling to, be, to fulfill. So it's not just that, that, that Peter is saying, hey, when you suffer injustice, you just need to follow Christ's example. He's saying when you suffer injustice, you need to live up to your calling. This is an expectation, actually. It's not a suggestion now. It's not an encouragement. It's not just a plan that will help you. This is what's expected of you. And so we back up to verse number 11 to read through what Peter says. Here's how to do what's expected of you. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, we are to see ourselves as foreigners, not locals. This would have been very easy for the people reading this to get their heads around because they had just been exiled. Boy, I used to live in Jerusalem. Now I'm living over here. And it would have been very easy for them. It's harder for us to get our heads around that. But we need to do this because we often see ourselves in a very comfortable way in this very free country where we can practice our, our religion as we see fit. And we just kind of like, okay, I'm, we don't have that outsider feel. But we need to. Because we're citizens of the kingdom before we're citizens of this country. And sometimes we forget that and we start to think like 
we do as citizens, and we forget to think like we should as Christians. And so he's saying, see yourselves that way. You are exiles. You are foreigners. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be afraid of that. And then he goes on and says, in that role, then I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your souls. And to put this very simply, we are just to say no to ourselves. And this is the point here. We live in a world right now that's really, really hung up on rights. And that's really, really about me and, and what's good for me and what, what I deserve and what should be coming my way. And so we look out for ourselves and we try to protect ourselves. And, and we're all into this scene like, well, what are my rights here? And part of what Peter's saying here is, you know what? You need to stop being so much about yourselves. Because when you get about yourselves, when this idea of injustice comes, you're going to have a hard time dealing with it. And if you can back yourself out of the picture, you're going to be way more equipped to handle this. Well, he goes on here and says, verse number 12, live such good lives among the pagans. And we could use the word there, unbelievers or, or non-Christians. Live such good life among these non-Christians that though they accuse you of doing wrong, well, that would be an injustice, wouldn't it? They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. And the idea here is we are to live good lives that attract positive attention, not to us, but to God. And as the Christian community, then, our role is to bring attention to ourselves, not for our... Um, not for our standing against and our militancy, but for our good works and our good lives. The people look at that and go, wow, you just got even got mistreated. And look at how you're responding to that. And that then brings attention to God. And isn't that what our lives are to be about as, as Christ followers? And it shifts the whole thinking here of how a Christian relates to the world that we live in. Because we want to live in a good world. We want good things to happen here. And so sometimes we're all about like, how, how can we reform this world and make it better? And God's plan is not about reformation. God's plan is about transformation. Because our responsibility is to bring the attention to God the Father in his love for us, in, in his care for us, in, in the cross of Christ. And so that transformation can actually take place. And so we are to live good lives that bring attention to God. And then he goes on in verse number 13. He says, submit yourselves to the Lord or for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the, to the emperor, the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. And he uses this word that makes us all really nervous. He uses this word submit. And we don't like that, and we especially don't like that when it comes to the idea of, of injustice because it gives us this picture that we're just supposed to be a doormate, doormat and just let people trample all over us. That's not really what we're, we're after here, but the idea here is that I willingly relinquish some of my rights to somebody else in this situation. And we all do this. Unless you work for yourself. You have a boss, and so we're already, already in these situations where we just defer to somebody else for the sake of the whole. And this is what, what Peter is encouraging us to do here, is we need to put ourselves under, and we need to resist that temptation for all of us to be over. But when abuses come, it's because somebody used their position as over, and justice would be the word, somebody used their position as over to create this injustice, and our natural response is, well, then, 
I'll try to somehow get over top of you, and we'll sort this out, and we'll rectify it and, and even out the score here. And so Peter is just saying, you know what? We need to submit here. Now, there's a couple of caveats. He said, first of all, submit for the Lord's sake. And it was Peter who had said earlier in the book of Acts, we ought to obey God rather than man. And that's always the case. We obey God ahead of, 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 our, of our human authorities because he is the ultimate authority. And so he includes that here. He also says that authority's role in society is to punish the evil and to bring about uh, good. And so there's another caveat there as we talk about this idea of submission. But we're supposed to submit. And we're supposed to submit because that submitting brings silence. Doesn't sound like our world, does it? We live in a very world, uh, loud, angry, everybody yelling, screaming world. But look at verse number 15. And read this with me. It says, For it is God's will that by presenting compelling arguments, we should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Did I read that wrong? Let me try again. For it is God's will that by getting angrier and more militant in our rhetoric, we should silence the ignorant of the talk of foolish people. Let me try again. For it is God's will that by insisting on our Christian rights, even at the expense of others, we should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. For it is God's will that by bringing about social reform, we should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. No, it says what? It says for God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. And part of the doing good is the humbling of ourselves and being okay with it not being about us. But I love the result of this is that we get to silence and we can lose a little silence in our world today, couldn't we? But maybe that starts with us. Something to think about there. But then he goes on in verse number 16. He says, live as free people. Don't lose your freedom to cover up for evil. Live as God slays. Live as free people. That's interesting. What does it mean to live as free people in this situation? It means that we have the choice to not be in bondage to what's happened to us. So the injustice that come our way, so the abuses come our way, so the mistreatment that's come our way, I am free to walk away from that and not retaliate, not respond in kind, not try to to pay back. I am free from that, and we are to live in that freedom. And so we are free then from the power of others, and we are free then to live in this grace, to live in forgiveness, to live in this, this freedom that God gives us. But then it's because kind of crazy to me. It's, he turns around and says, ah, no, actually, you're supposed to live as slaves to God. And what is the point? Live in this freedom because that's what God instructs. When you live in this freedom, it's not going to be like, oh, that's a hard one to, to, to command to follow. That's going to be, oh, this is like a liberating command to follow. And so then Peter gets super practical here, and he says what? He says, show proper respect to everyone. Show respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the empire. And it's this huge, it's like, okay, here we go, guys. Here's what it means to live this out in life. You need to respect, show respect to the people that treat you nicely. No, show respect to everyone. Love ev the family of believers. Fear or revere God. 
honor the authorities in your life. What would change in our world if people would follow these four instructions? What would change in our world if Christians followed these four instructions? Where have we treated everybody in our lives with respect and, and value? What would change if we really made our churches about loving each other, being kind and gracious? What would change if we really feared God enough to stop worrying about ourselves and let him worry about us? What would change if honor was what we became known for? Well, Peter goes on here and he gives some, a real practical illustration, and, and I'm going to skip over that this morning. And I want to just remind you in conclusion, who's writing this? It's Peter. And as we go back to the garden, this was the guy who when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, what did he do? All right, do you want to take Jesus? You are going to pay. Sorry about your ear, buddy. The transformation in this guy it's Peter saying, you know what, we need to put away our swords. That's not the Jesus way. In, we, in this world, there's going to be times when you suffer injustices. You've got an example to follow. That's Jesus Christ. And you've also got a calling. These are the expectations that you should follow. So when you're mistreated, you don't need to respond in kind. Uh, in kind. You, can, you can walk away from the cross in humility. You can walk away from the cross in trust. We've talked about this these past couple weeks. But we can also walk away from the cross in things like good deeds or, or submission. We can walk away from the cross in freedom. We can walk away from the cross in respect. We can walk away from the cross in love. We can walk away from the cross in righteousness. We can walk away from the cross in deference. Where we look at the people around us and say, it doesn't matter how you treat me. I'm going to treat you as valued by God and loved by Jesus Christ. In fact, this cross that's part of my story, I want it to be part of your story. Because you see, I, I threw this injustice on Jesus. It, it was my cross. It was me who spit on him. It was me who mocked him. It was me who put the crown of thorns on his head. It was me and my sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. And you know what he did in response to me? He said, Father, forgive them. And that's how we walk away from the cross. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the cross and what it means to us as far as salvation goes. But I thank you for the cross and what it means to us practically as far as how life goes. Jesus, you know this, how many injustices we face. Whether it's in our homes or whether it's in our workplaces or whether it's in our communities. And sometimes those injustices come because of our faith. And there's just something in us, and you know this, where we want to fight back. But Jesus, I pray that you would help us to follow your example. I pray that you would help us to walk away, to just entrust it to you, to let you be the just judge that deals with this. 
Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you've come this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the cross was all about you. He did it for you. Willingly. Could have walked away. But he died for your sins, he died for my sins on that cross so that we could ask him for forgiveness, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have freedom, we could have eternal life. If you've never invited Christ into your life, you can do that where you sit this morning, a simple conversation between you and him. If you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you afterwards, I'll be by the front door. But if you're a Christ follower this morning, I don't know what the injustice is that you're facing, but it's not as big as the injustice that Christ faced. And he just entrusted it to God and chose to walk a different way. And he challenges us to live in good deeds so that the attention cannot be on us, but so that the attention can be on the Father. And so my question to you is, if the injustice that you face what will you do with it? And how will you let the cross impact your decisions? Jesus, help us to be cross walkers, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm so glad that you're here. This challenge is, you know, it's always scary to talk about something like that because you're going to walk out the door and face an injustice immediately. But if you do, remember we have an example that we can follow and a calling to follow as well. Come back next Sunday, 10 o'clock. We'll have 10 o'clock from 1045. You can come anytime. We'll be serving breakfast. And then come for a great Easter service. You're dismissed. God bless you. Have a great week.